0: Welcome to the Agnes Scott podcast series. My name is Gundolf Kraml. I'm Professor of German Studies and Associate Dean for Curriculum and Strategic Initiatives. In this role, I oversee the Summit Leadership and Global Learning Experience. At Agnes Scott College, Global Learning Matters. And this episode is dedicated to the role of language learning and study abroad as preparation for international professional success. If you listen to this episode on February 22, 2021, then you are listening on National Study Abroad Day in the US, a very unusual anniversary during the COVID pandemic. But just because travel is interrupted, global learning doesn't stop. We want to share with you an episode that we recently recorded on the occasion of the annual International Education Week. The Center for Global Learning and the German Studies Program reached out to some of our international alums and asked them to share what shaped their global careers after graduating from Agnes Scott. You will hear from two Scotties who came to Agnes Scott as international students and who now work or study in a highly global environment. Tessine Dossul, class of 2011, is currently based in Berlin, Germany, where she is a senior manager of global partnerships at AMBOS an international medical technology company. Nathan, who graduated in 2013, spent time in Germany through a DAAD fellowship, which enabled her to conduct research with the renowned Max Planck Institute. She's now completing a doctorate in sociology at City University in New York. The following podcast episode is moderated by Hannah Brendel. Agnes Scott class of 2021, also an international Scotty. Hannah's multilingual competencies and academic focus on international relations make her the ideal conversation partner for these two wonderful alums. We are grateful to all three for taking the time to share their insights and we hope that you will enjoy this segment and will visit us
1: Just welcome to everyone and in particular to our panelists. We would like our panelists to share how their learning experience overall and their knowledge of languages, in particular, has shaped their lives since graduation. We're just going to kick it off right away and I'm going to ask Tasin to go ahead and introduce herself, follow Natan. Thank you both once again for being here with us.
2: Thank you, Hannah. Thank you for inviting us. Um, My name is Tassin. I graduated uh, from Agnes Scott in 2011, so a really long time ago. I'm originally from uh, Karachi, Pakistan, and I uh, majored in sociology and anthropology at Agnes Scott. And I'm currently um, a manager for global partnerships at a company called Amboss, which is a medical uh, education and learning tech company here based in Berlin, Germany. My name is Nathan. I'm from uh, Hanoi, Vietnam,
3: and uh, currently I'm a PhD student in sociology at uh, City University of New York, the Graduate Center. I majored in uh, mathematics and economics when I was at Agnes Scott and I graduated in 2013. I also had a minor in history and I should have done German studies as well. Now I kind of regret it.
1: Give us a little bit more details about what the transition was like after Agnes Scott. Describe what you currently do a little bit in terms of um, how that's related to the global and international context. Um, So uh, the transition, it was uh, interesting
2: actually. Um, I was an international student on a, um, I was on a student visa at that time and I received a job from Emory. So right after graduating from Agnes Scott, I started working at Uh, that Emory's Winship Cancer Institute. And since I had majored in sociology and anthropology, I was sort of at the advantage that I knew a lot about research and um, how to set up research studies. And because I, at my time at Agnes Scott, I was on the institutional review board. So I was one of the students on the board. Um, One of the requirements of my job at Emory was to work closely with the Emory's IRB in opening up, Clinical trials uh, for the Winship Cancer Institute, and the following year I had to do more like uh, research studies with Emory's research ethicists. So my final year at Agnes Scott actually kind of prepared me quite well from what for what I was going to do my first two years at Emory. But it was still a big adjustment. Um, but I had I received a lot of help from Agnes Scott in terms of the international office and setting up my op- my optional practical training, my visa issues. And um, yeah, it was it was also very helpful to stay in, um, in Atlanta and be also uh, in a familiar place. But it was an interesting leap. But uh, I think I was prepared because of my experiences in my final year. I think one important thing about, Ambo, uh, about uh, Agnes Scott is that it prepared me for um, sort of accepting challenges and also for basically believing that I can do uh, things like getting scholarships. And so after uh, Emory, I moved to Pakistan and uh, my country, and I worked uh, on a project uh, with the WHO in, on public health. Soon after, I applied for the German government's uh, DAD scholarship, which is the Deutsche um, Akademische Austauschdienst, German academic exchange for people who wanted to do their master's in Germany. And I got the scholarship, which included a six-month German language course in Dresden. And, uh, right after that, I started working at Ambos in trying to introduce this medical learning platform to global medical students and global students. And I think uh, that is a direct relationship with what uh, my experiences as an international student. Uh, as someone who has gone through many different educational systems and as someone who has learned um, communication and community building through my times at Agnes Scott and also my times at, um, at Emory. So a lot, I I, I work very, very globally. Um, I have to deal with uh, medical students and uh, universities across the world, Australia, Thailand, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and a large part of my work is yeah, doing basically what I learned to do best at Agnes Scott, which is communicate.
3: Cool. My resume is not that impressive. Um, but uh, after Agnes Scott, I got a DAD too. Um, not for a master's though. I I got it for a research, an independent research. Basically, the idea is that you get the scholarship, you will do independent research, and then you go on and do a PhD. And that's, that's precisely what I did. And I was very lucky that when I, after honest got I ended up at uh, one of the plank institutes in Germany. So I think there are like about 84 plank institutes all over Germany and uh, all over the world too. And I ended up at a plank that studies uh, religious, ethnic, and, um, Legal diversity. So that's sort of like the time when I seriously thought about studying sociology. Because when I was at Agnes Scott, I studied mathematics and economics, hoping that I would do an, a uh, a PhD in labor economics. That's what I thought I would do. But then when I ended up in Germany, I completely changed my mind. I thought the two years in Germany were were really really uh, formative in my understanding of how uh, academia works and what uh, research really looks like from the inside out and I have to emphasize that I ended up at a place where everybody spoke like five different languages so I felt really just not adequately prepared so when I was there I was learning German, because Max Planck actually gave you a lot of resources. They have a lot of resources, so they actually helped me out. I also started learning Chinese because the institute had a huge emphasis on studying uh, comparative uh, research between China and India. And so that's what picked my interest in doing comparative
1: research and also doing
3: anthropology, sociology research,
1: Great. Tasin, you kind of touched on some of the skills that you gained from Agnes, but I'm interested in hearing about any other skills that you took away from Agnes and how you're using them right now. And then, Nagatan, you can go afterwards, yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, I've actually mentioned this to a few people that I went to Agnes with, and also a few of the professors I spoke to afterwards. I think one of one of the most important classes I took at Agnes Scott was actually a class on public speaking, uh, which I don't know if it's offered still, but it was by Professor Dr. Lawrence. I can't emphasize how important that class was and is to this to this day. A lot of what I do is public speaking. revolves around some aspect of public speaking. And uh, using some of those principles that I learned in his class was very, very helpful. Um, The second thing that I think has been really helpful is um, as a sociology anthropology major, um, I've had to write a lot of research papers that involves a lot of desk research that uh, involved a lot of um actual um you know interviews surveys quality different forms of qualitative and quantitative research uh, one of the things i actually had to do um at amboss uh was basically um sort of research the different um Markets around the world in which the product or platform could be applicable to. I used a lot of the similar um, skills that I gained at Agnes Scott um, to do that and um, sort of open my sort of perspective to different educational systems, to different cultural systems. I remember I had a conversation with a faculty member in Thailand. It was a totally different experience. Um, He was this, um, the dean of like the largest public hospital in Thailand. And the way I had to sort of approach um, everyone around his uh, his cabinet and his uh, his uh, assistant and the communication and and uh, being sort of really um, attuned to how different um, people communicate and whether it comes to formal communications or um, body language or everything. So and also it helped to go to Agnes Scott, which is a very diverse um, university environment. Um, So that really, really helped me, uh, I think, definitely. At Emory as well, I think, like as I mentioned, like uh, sociology, anthropology, and having a lot of experience in quantitative and qualitative research, that helped as well when I worked on um, several projects at Emory. Uh, We published quite a few papers while I was there as well, and that was not something that scared me. I remember I was sitting with uh, my boss at Emory who is uh, a professor of medicine at the, uh, and he's like, okay, we have to get a few publications out. And I was like, that's not a problem. <laughs> I went to a liberal arts college. I, I, I can write. I think um, my
3: best experiences at Agnes Scott had to do with independent studies. Um, so for example, before I applied to the uh, D.R.D., Dr. Uh, uh, Grandma helped me with writing the grants, and it has been one of the most important experiences in my life so far. Because of that very experience, I was able to sort of like apply to a big grant every year since. And it's it's if you ended up in academia, you know that writing grant is sort of like a part of the repertoire, and that was a very important experience. Um, And Dr. Grammel, and Dr. Zavadny, Dr. Lund and also uh, Catherine Kennedy, they were all helping me to shape how I think, how I basically uh, do my own research and that I do not feel very intimidated when I go into a foreign place. So during the time when I was in Germany, I was um, after the first uh, year, the year after that, Max Planck hired me as a research consultant. Basically, it means that you do, they they also was research tasks for you. And my job then was to go to different archives in Germany and just did research about the Vietnamese presence in uh, in Germany since the um, the 1970s, I have to say. And so I had to go to various archives in Berlin, like the uh, Berlin-Lichterfelder and then the um, the Stasi archive around the um, uh, Alexander Platz, and then there was also a, another archive in Copland's. And so I basically just had to go through these different archives and tell people that I want to read these different documents and communicating in this different institutional context was not easy, right? Um, in say, for example, at the Stasi archive, the person who was in charge of my case was a native Berliner, and she was speaking German with a Berliner accent. And I was, That was so difficult and every single time we had to sit down at a table and they basically were really nice. They basically they had one one archivist that's sort of helping you throughout the entire process. But she was just laughing at my pronunciation and the way that I was describing my subjects and the way that I was um, kind of giving requests to her and 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 it was just really funny because even though she was trying so hard, I still felt that I was like, "Oh God, I have to I have to get this across Sometimes I wrote down like in a piece of paper that this is the document that I wanted. Um, so that was really funny. but um but then you you kind of after that year, you kind of realized that, um being the only person who's looking like myself ended up in these german institutions and getting my points across was really important to me because if you know me in person i'm relatively a small person i don't speak really loudly but um but i do have the leadership skills that i got at agnes scott to make sure that people actually understand what i want and that 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 i found to be very important and now uh, being in a very bureaucratic organization in, the, uh, in, in New York, I go to a public university. It's, uh, it's City University of New York, and it has so many different levels of bureaucracies. And the same thing kind of shows up again, which is that once you end up in this situation, your leadership skills matter a lot. And, and, and I really, I, I feel I really appreciate that Agnes Scott made sure that I understood the values of leadership
1: skills um, when I was at Agnes Scott. That's awesome. So nice to hear. I kind of at this time want to give everybody in the audience um, on the Zoom call to kind of think about a question that you might have and you can type it in the chat or I'll come around. I'm going to ask the panelists a question, one last question, and you can just think about it, but you can either type it in the chat or feel free to just intervene um, after this question. But I just wanted to know a little bit about, um, I think now you mentioned that you didn't take a German course at Agnes, but did, you, did either of you take language courses at Agnes? If not, do you wish you kind of, I mean, now you've mentioned that you wish you kind of would have. How has being multilingual, because I know that both of you speak multiple languages now and seem like you're continuing to study languages, how has being multilingual um, really served you and helped you in your professional lives?
3: Just correction, Barbara sitting here. I actually took one year of German with Barbara, and she was an awesome professor. She still is. Um, I think um, the problem was that uh, mm-hmm. I I found German studies too late, so I started taking German courses when I was in my senior year already. So that's by that time, it's really you only have a few classes left to finish your degree, right? You don't want to get on uh, get on with another de- uh, m- minor or major. And so I did take German then already, but it was very kind of elementary. So I got enough words to order foods at a restaurant, I guess. Um, so, so that was, that was it. Um, I actually have to encourage you guys, especially international students, that if you decided at the beginning of your tenure or your studies at Agnes Scott that you wanted to do some uh, foreign language study, you should. I, um, my advisor actually told me that I shouldn't because I was an international student and language requirement was no longer necessary, an And I ended up doing what I wanted to do anyway, but it was later on at, in my senior year instead of at the beginning, right? So I think, especially as an international student, you should um, take whatever language you want to study. Language studies at Agnes Scott really are, I mean, all departments are really good. Um, I took some French classes uh, I took some German classes and I, I, had, a gra- I, I had a grand time. And they, these skills really helped me because later on I was able to articulate that I wanted to do more language study. And the Taiwanese government gave me money to study more Chinese, even though I had like more or less nothing no Chinese then. So yeah, learning languages is fun and it helps you to think about your own language differently too. It helps you to be more open to different expressions. I, uh, for now, for example, I end up teaching at City University of New York, which has one of the most diverse population in the United States as an urban uh, urban university. And a lot of my students are bilingual or um, as, um, as international students. And I find it's, it important to listen to them, even though their expression is different from what standard English might be like. But if you are attuned to listen to people... F- coming from different places, you feel that you know what they mean and you can rearticulate articulate what they have said in your own kind of way without having to like speak it out loud, for example. And I find that ability to translate and retranslate is really important in a especially in a diverse environment.
2: Yeah, I actually also kind of uh, echo what Na said about um, I I really wish I did study um, another language at Agnes. Unfortunately, I didn't because um, I had an advisor who had mentioned that because I was international and I came in already, uh, I was already bilingual, so I spoke uh, English and Urdu, that I didn't have to take a foreign language. And I I don't know, at that point, I thought perhaps this meant that I couldn't or I, I didn't really... Uh, but I really, that's one of the, the big, big regrets that I uh, have. And especially I've heard that our um, German program is absolutely amazing. I knew a few people who studied German. So when I was studying German at the Goethe Institute in Dresden, I was like, man, I wish I did this at Agnes Scott, <laughs> which is, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's how life is. and But I got to study it anyway, which was uh, really great. Um, it was the first time, actually, that I had to learn a language because I grew up in Karate which um, you know we speak Urdu and English so I actually the school I went to was um, taught all in English so I did all my subjects in English and we spoke Urdu at home and with everyone else so bilingual didn't have to ever learn a language and so it was the first time with German that I had to Yeah, with German, I had to think about grammar and structure. And um, I think um, it really helped me to get more involved um, and understand Germany, culturally and politically so um, I did my master's in public policy with a focus on health policy because I was very interested in seeing how different structures in different uh, countries and different policies work especially related to health public health and I think getting being able to speak German and to understand German uh, my understanding is far greater than my speaking unfortunately because I live in Berlin and everything is in English <laughs> mostly with regards to my work unfortunately really allowed me to get into to understand how um, politics is done, how people communicate, how the society is run. Like yesterday, for example, I watched the press conference on the COVID nineteen situation here in Germany, and just stop, you know, being um, being able to see how our government works and how the choices of words and how people um, express things—it really changed the way I started thinking about my life and um, just how to sort of, yeah, how to communicate. And the second thing that I think now also mentioned is that. When you are learning a language and you might not be totally confident in that language, you also are a little bit more sensitive to people who are, who might not also speak that language as a first language. So when I communicate with students from around the world, I am more cognizant of this fact that they might. Not um, native English speakers, and I choose different words, and I explain things a bit differently. So, in that regard, um, I think that's really helped. And also, the quest of um, learning more languages. So, I've uh, enrolled in French uh, courses at the Institut Français here in in Berlin. It's funny because my French classes, well, they teach it; they try to speak as much uh, French as possible. But I take it with Germans, so. The professor is always explaining the grammar in German and comparing it to German grammar, which I think is just, it blows my mind sometimes. So I, I was taking down my notes the other day and I i started writing notes in German and I was like, wow, this, when did the switch happen? <laughs> you know, so it was a proud moment personally for me. Um
1: Yeah. So nice to hear both of your experiences with languages, and I kind of would like to open it up at this time for any questions in the audience. We've already got one. Can you can you say more about being multilingual and multicultural, and how that is different from being bilingual, and how living in another country or culture affected you?
2: Really good question.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I think the first moment when I realized that I was bilingual probably. When I started Agnes Scott, because I I was an international student, right, and Agnes Scott was the first place where language became a um, sort of a point of reflection and also sometimes contention too. Because sometimes if I don't get my point across, there would be a heated debate about certain things. But um, I think Agnes Scott was the first challenge. And then I think when I went to Germany, Germany was a place when I was very aware that I was multilingual. Not, no longer, it was no longer a bilingual issue because I spent most of my time in Berlin where there is a big population of Vietnamese. And when I would say that I'm Vietnamese, right, people would, um, then there would be actually Vietnamese people come to me and talk to me in their own language and whatnot. And then, I also have a different kind of behavior like that a a normal Vietnamese would have. So even if I were to end up, I were in a Vietnamese restaurant, they would speak to me in German because they would assume that I was just like a traveler who didn't know the local, uh, didn't know their language or German and whatnot. I think the awareness that one is a multilingual person comes at a point when I have to speak in that particular language and tell them what my identity is in regard to, say, maybe ethnicity, maybe nationality, or maybe even. Linguistic identity, right? And and because different, uh, each language has different accents, right? We were just talking about Berliner, uh, Berliner uh, German versus uh, High German, right? I spent most of my time in Berlin, which speaks, which is multilingual place, which has different kind of accents. I was in Berlin, but. But then I also live in Vedding, which has a completely different ling- linguistical kind of landscape. So you kind of even on a daily basis, I traversed between socio, cultural, and linguistic kind of boundaries going from the Vietnamese community to high German in the bureaucratic kind of setting. Uh, sometimes I would follow these people to Auslander Behuda or the Office for Foreigners or to various kind of Amps and help them to translate so you deal with strictly bureaucratic German and then you go to like it's Berlin which most of these Vietnamese would leave then you talk in like East Berlin accent and then I would go back home which is vetting and then I would have to communicate with my, my neighbors in Turkish German so to And so that experience really, really kind of opened up my mind about this kind of linguistical landscape that in a lot of ways Germany is reckoning with right now. I live in, in New York and it's also the same thing. New York is experiencing the most linguistical diversity in its history. And yet everything in the educational system is in English, right? And that's something that now I have to reflect on. Yeah I think
2: for me it's um there's a big connection between the language and as i mentioned a little bit before about the culture and and sort of priorities yeah sort of thinking about possibilities right i mean so growing up in pakistan i felt like i had a very um sort of a limited outlook Because the words I had to use uh, were limited in certain ways. Like Urdu is a beautiful language. Um, It's full of poetry. It's, it's, I feel it Urdu sometimes. It's, it's that I cannot feel in any other language, of course. But I felt that it was limiting in certain ways because the way we use it is not to its full potential, unfortunately. Because it's just not a language that's taken off the way English is, you know. I had very few words, I think, to express a lot of what I wanted to do, to, or my ambitions, my interests. I think that, in, of course, English, I grew up speaking English. And in the States, you also, you, you know, you speak English. But the words that you use and, you know, that also kind of gives you a boundary of like the possibilities of life. And I think that, it, that has just become a little bit, the boundary line has become like increasing since I've learned German because I, I, or I don't know if I'm like reading more because I'm trying to improve my German, but a lot of the, the topics that um, they talk about relating to like the welfare, like the welfare of people or the environment, like one of the first words I learned in German was Umwelt or Arbeit, Arbeitsrecht, Wohlauf. Um, like, you know, all these things. And, and the way that, I sort of learned German. Was very much the Goethe Institute in Dresden. They tried to sort of like teach you German culture while they were teaching you German language. And so it was very important. Like our German teacher, uh, she sort of was like, uh, "The weather is great. We're going. We're going outside. Begin Vanden. Begin. You know." And she would like just take us out on the weekend. She didn't have to do this and all of uh, us, like I was with a lot of other Pakistani students, other South Asian students, and, they, and she was like, you know, what did you do this weekend? And, and we were all like, yeah, zu Hause, ja, yeah, you know, we watch TV, this, that, the other. She's like, nein, in Deutschland machen wir das nicht. <laughs> wir gehen draußen. And so, um, yeah, it was a lot of this. It was a big cultural shift for me and like understanding a sort of a, a simpler life, I think, Um, I mean, I'm I'm not not critiquing the U.S. in any way, but I felt like it was a little bit more materialistic. And the words I use was very different. And the words I use in Germany and the way
1: I, it's way simpler. Thank you both for that. I think that was really insightful. And in the meantime, we've got quite a few questions in the chat. And I'm just going to couple, there's two on what are your plans for the future? And then I'm just going to couple that with, did your plans for the future change based on your language development skills? Like as you became more fluent in a language, did that kind of change your idea of where you want to be in the future?
2: Yeah, I think right now I want to concentrate on developing myself in the working world here in Berlin. It's sort of Berlin is growing to be like the tech startup center of Europe more and more. Uh, And um, I I enjoy where I work a lot. I feel like there's a lot of uh, work-life balance. And um, so I see myself at my company, present company for um, the good near future. And at the same time, I also have small projects that I want to implement. Um, I read in a newspaper article in the uh, wealth.de, it's about how the German government wants to provide more uh, financing options uh, for women uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, to start up and so they're gonna they have like I think every month they have these like women in tech women in business women in you know all sorts of um, that, that they come and coach each other and learn from each other and then they have all these companies that um, you know at the end of the time provide you with uh, the necessary uh, tools that you need to you know make your business idea grow or um, so that's something I want to do on the side. I'm I'm interested in a few, a few startup ideas and it's kind of, it's in, a bit infectious when you're in like Berlin, or maybe I shouldn't say infectious these days, but <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a nice feeling because um, you feel like you can do it and you get that encouragement. Um, yeah, I think
1: that's a small project of mine and I, I'll see where that goes. <laughs> I'd also, I've also, I think there's one more question in the chat. Yeah, it's how has multilingualism or multiculturalism affected your employability?
2: I I don't know if I was hired specifically because I spoke um, Urdu or uh, English or German, but I do know that now when I look at people's CVs or people applying for jobs here at the company, we we're like, oh my god, this person speaks three languages, or you know, it's it's definitely something that would set you apart. Um, because, I mean, I don't need to be able to speak German to do my job, but it's always something that is a positive.
3: For me, it mostly has to do with grants. As an academic, I have to write a lot of grants applications. And um, right, saying that I have a German C1 Goethe certificate actually helps a lot of times. For example, three years ago, there was this like, kind of workshop in Germany and and I just said that, yeah, I just went to one of the offices in my, my school and said that, yeah, I have German, could I just go? And they basically paid me to go for like a week or so. Yeah, so so it's um, uh, it, it comes in in uh, it comes in handy especially when you get like a, a German certificates from Gutha Institutes, right? It helps you with various kind of applications. Uh, even when I told the Taiwanese government that I wanted to learn Chinese, and and I know that Chinese is very different from all the languages that I've spoken, I was like, but I could do C1 German, so probably you can, I can do some kind of B1 Chinese, right? But Specifically, professionally, uh, I am writing a few papers that using Twitter data from Germany to talk about, to look at colorblind racism in Germany at this point. And it is a collaborative project between me and a couple of German academics. And it comes in handy because I can actually tell them that their interpretation is not correct or this is how people cloak racism and whatnot. And it is a very interesting project that I'm engaging in at this point.
1: Great. Um, We've got another question. How would you advise a student who wants to become more global? And what does being global mean to you? Agnes Scott
2: students have always kind of been global. You know, they've always been open to learning about different cultures and patient and curious and inquisitive and i think that's kind of part of being global right i don't think you reach a point where you're like now i'm global and it's more like it's a constant quest to to be yeah it's a constant state of curiosity i would say
3: <laughs> um i think being global just means being open like what tasi uh, has has just said sometimes being global can also mean being local right for example i live in new york city and queens uh, the borough of queens is one of the most diverse borough on earth. There are like 200 languages that are spoken and there are so many different people from different ethnic and national backgrounds and if you were to speak say for example Nepalese you can go to a restaurant in in, in Queens and speak Nepalese is just fine, and so I think it's about uh, like what Tassin has uh, just said: being very inquisitive, being open, and just basically reach out the reach out to across the aisle and just ask very simple question: What does it mean to you? And how do you understand this in this context? What is your community like? Right? And these questions are important not just once you go study abroad; it's important even within your local area. Atlanta, for example, has Korean community, Vietnamese community, Chinese community, there are so many more activities in these communities that Agnes Scott students can just go there and study if you want to. And, and I think that's what I regretted when I was at Agnes Scott, that I didn't be global enough in my local area.
1: I think that's, a, that's an awesome point to ponder on now, that we can get these global experiences in our, in our backyard, basically. And I think that's especially relevant in the midst of this pandemic, where travel might not be as easy or possible, that there's still ways of finding that connection where we are. I've got a question over here that I'm going to ask real quick. Um, what has been the biggest challenge that you've faced in your career and how have you overcome it? I think uh, it's been a challenge
2: and also a learning experience. I think one thing I sort of realized the sort of the ability or the necessity of being able to be my own advocate and being able to present myself because... I think when you work in large teams and large groups and, um, you know, when I started working at the present company that I'm working at right now, it was like 100 people and now we've grown to 500 people. So in the last three years, it's been a huge change all over the world. A lot of us work remotely um, across three different cities, New York, Cologne, Berlin. And so a lot of people are working on great stuff and the company is growing and you're contributing. I found that sometimes you have to sort of know how to um, take ownership for your work um, and sort of be visible. I think that's very important. I think sometimes like at Agnes Scott, there's a lot of space. People give you space in your classes with your colleagues, with your professors. And then when you leave that environment and you go to an environment where people might not give you that space to, to speak perhaps or to um, do that, you sort of realize, "Hey, I'm in this meeting, and this is my work. Why is someone else presenting it?" You know, in that sort of a way, and that, that's—I I used to think that's a myth, but that—that that happens. Things like mansplaining, things like just being sort of not heard or whatever. So, I think that's something that I had to learn because I—I I was used to it, so I expected it, and so, but I—I I wanted to do it in an atmosphere or of um, uh, of grace. This is me. This is my work. And uh, I'm proud of it. And you should be too. (laughs) In this way to like market yourself and not be feeling like ashamed or something or just, um, yeah, getting your credit. And yes, I think that's very important to, to to really stand up for yourself and and being your own advocate and being your own promoter. Yeah, I think
3: my challenge would be very similar to what Tissin said, which is that Agnes Scott taught you to be very um, uh, friendly and collegial and that you are allowed to develop into like go after your interests. But when you go, when, when you're out of Agnes Scott environments, it's, it's pretty comparative. And so speaking for yourself and understand your, your worth and know how this thing could be done is important. I think the way that I have overcome these challenges is to establish a um, very uh, good supporting network. It's, it's important to, to have a good um, network of trusted friends, colleagues and collaborators anywhere you go they would be, they would sit down to listen to you. They would, they would hear you out and they would tell you what to do or they would just be willing to just analyze the situation for you so that next time you would not get into that same situation again. So I think having a strong supporting network is very important. When I was in Berlin, interestingly, my best friend from Agnes Scott was there and doing a uh doctoral degree in uh, philosophy at Humboldt. And so we kind of started our own supporting network there. And, and it was really
1: helpful for me for at least like
3: six or seven months.
1: We've, we're we kind of getting closer to the end. Um, and I There's another question in the chat. What would you say is the German understanding of being global and globalization? And what is the American understanding of globalization? How would you say those two kind of compare or differ?
2: Um, very interesting question. It's it's funny because uh, when you when you said has uh, learning another language or speaking that language been helpful? And for me, it's always been helpful at airports because you'll always hear German being spoken, <laughs> and uh, there's so many German travelers everywhere I go. I was doing an internship in Zambia in the middle of nowhere in this random town. Yeah. There were Germans. <laughs> there weren't Zambians, but there were Germans. I've learned a lot from Germans on like the importance of um, travel and just looking at the world not in this boundary sense and Germans travel a lot that's something I've actually learned really quickly like my my uh, my friends my colleagues they've all they've you know you name a country and they're like oh yeah I was there after, after my abitur I was here for one year gap year no problem yeah <laughs> and you know it's like wow everyone they've traveled and I think they the sense of belonging to the world is in my opinion I mean again these are only my experience I can't make a generalization but like i feel like it's 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 there and i think um in the united states it's um um a sense of you do have communities in the united states i have a lot of um pakistani second generation cousins who are in the u.s and they live there and um i talked to them and also when i live in the u.s i kind of noticed it's 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 the it's a lot of like seeing the world through the lens of the US or it's it's a lot of focus on the US I think I feel but I feel like in Germany it's you really get a sense of belonging to the world I don't know and but that's just my perspective of of being in in the situation and not how I felt when I was at Agnes Scott. At Agnes Scott I felt like was part of a global community I'm talking more about when I graduated and I lived in the United States how, how I felt but that's that's of course just a very subjective um, experience.
1: I just like one final, very brief question, like 30 seconds each. You've both touched on how you really value your language experiences and how they've helped you, in particular, while German, because both of you have been there or are there currently. I guess, do you have a final piece of advice to Agnes Scott students? It's about what you feel they should be trying to get in time, whether it's their final year or just their time in Agnes, what they what you'd recommend they focus on or think about. Yeah,
2: I don't know about final year, but I think I wanted to also uh, mention this in general, like throughout Agnes Scott, I wish I did more internships. That's something that I definitely I think doing more internships is always helpful. And, uh, yeah, and I think if you have a chance to take um, public speaking or something like this, um, do do it. And, uh, yes, I do recommend the DAAD. They're absolutely amazing.
3: All for DAAD, I guess. Um, I, I I got into a very good cohort of DAAD fellows that year. And one is that it gives you experience and two are very important networks, um, the network of people that you might need or you might want to know later on. I actually think that if I were to, do Agnes Scott again I would do German studies and now there is another minor like artificial intelligence I would definitely do it too and also for internship right what I recognize is that now I do more coding than speaking German so learning Python or whatever kind of programming language that you can you have is you you can at Agnes Scott is also very important I think this is something that I did not have when I was at Agnes Scott and now you have it you should embrace it
1: such a great panel. Thank you to you both for joining us. Yeah, we can just give a round of applause. Or <laughs> Leading Everywhere, the Agnes Scott College
2: podcast is sponsored by Agnes Scott College.